transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Well, night has fallen on the Mojave, the eastern front, and the grueling war against the Los Angeles Basin spilling over the mountains and consuming the entirety of the American Southwest. Las Vegas on one side and the other side comprised of the Los Angeles, Riverside, San Bernardino, Victorville, Yucca Valley, Barstow, Orange County, Palm Springs, Indio, San Diego, Chula Vista to Santa Barbara metropolitan area. The most populous part of the most populous state in the alleged union and a couple hundred miles of mostly wild Mojave Desert in the middle. The tourists have mostly gone home for now. So our one road into the National Park from Joshua Tree no longer looks so much like the 101 for now. We've got enough cars out here already, many of them helpfully broken down, half overgrown with ragweed, filled with sleeping centipedes and rodents, piled up on our desert acreage like so much unacknowledged outdoor sculpture. And our cars that can get on the road are generally piloted by people who probably shouldn't be on the road due to various conditions and medications and hallucinations. It's best to stay off the roads, especially at night. Stay off these roads or you'll find out why. Coming up from the canyon from an engagement down in Palm Springs not long ago, I found myself in the usual inexplicable nighttime traffic jam on the 62 in Yucca Valley. And by usual, I mean the road was mostly empty. But for a couple of cars that had suddenly come to a halt in their respective lanes. And then I realized there were people wandering the highway, lurching and staggering through the darkness. Hobos or lunatics, perhaps, and I veered between a couple of these characters in that special kind of slow motion that occurs when you realize calamity is close at hand. Somehow, certainly not due to skill on the part of any of the participants... The cars all managed to be driven around the figures in the roadway, and on that night at least, there were no fatalities. A good road is a road with nobody else around, nobody else on it. I believe that's from the Book of Proverbs. Now, there's a ranch way out in northeastern Utah that has become a haunted location of our time. And because it is back in the news with regard to this Pentagon UFO story sort of unceremoniously dumped on us all during the last days of 2017, I figured I'd return to the odd little book published on the topic, a book 
called Hunt for the Skinwalker. Well, like a lot of books of this sort, it was better as a newspaper feature article years previous without all the filler to get it to book length. You know, there's nothing more miserable than trying to make the word count on a book when you have at best enough for a nice feature article. This I know from sad experience. That's why the Desert Oracle is exactly 44 pages per issue, including the cover. I don't want to torture myself, and I sure don't want to torture the person kind enough to spend a few dollars on a small book. And it is still always late. That's awful, I tell you. If any of these show business people hanging around Joshua Tree and offering their always vague offers these days, if any of that turns into a real check that the bank will cash, the first thing I will do is hire an editor to help get the damned Desert Oracle out on a more regular schedule. That's the second thing, actually. The first will be something enjoyable, like taking off to Bishop or Moab for a few nights. Maybe have a decent restaurant dinner and a cocktail. Doesn't that sound fancy? Skinwalker Ranch is a 480-acre property where a family had reportedly tried to raise Angus cattle in the 1990s before freaking out over the strange sights and lights that they witnessed. This place warranted a mention in the New York Times UFO Pentagon study story, and I thought I'd return to the book to see why the Pentagon and the DIA would send investigators to this place. This haunted land of supposed cattle mutilations and yellow-eyed werewolves. The suggestion in the Politico story on the same topic was that investigators were curious if Russian or Chinese technology was at work. Perhaps some kind of psychological weaponry. And it's an interesting angle, but the stories around this remote and rural part of Utah, much of it a tribal reservation since Abraham Lincoln's time, predate pretty much anything you'd consider modern technology. Now there's an odd part of the book where what is described as an RV, uh, a motor coach, a recreational vehicle, is witnessed on the ranch property beyond a locked gate. The motorhome is brilliantly lit from within, and Mrs. Sherman witnesses an office of sorts within, including a human figure sitting at a desk and looking out at the ranch property from big windows. And then, of course, there's nothing there, no tire tracks, etc., Most of the rest of the encounters fit the folklore news reports from the 20th century Southwest. Triangular UFOs, vanishing monsters with eyes like burning coals, orbs of brilliant light zooming around the property and the ridge beyond, mutilated cattle with no signs of blood and all the bodily organs surgically removed. But the mystery office trailer is unique to Skinwalker Ranch, I think. 
and it was still on my mind a hundred pages on when the scientist who co-wrote the book is on the property one night long after the family has moved away and after the Las Vegas billionaire Robert Bigelow was purchased the ranch from the Shermans so that his new paranormal research organization staffed with mysterious ex-Pentagon characters like Colonel John Alexander can go out there and measure what's happening in some way. The scientist is at the mobile laboratory, a trailer equipped with an office, and of course they're up all night watching for ghoulies. Did Mrs. Sherman perhaps see the future that night long before Bigelow's scientist installed their office trailer on the property? Did the mystery RV predict the location of the Bigelow trailer? You know, I've put these questions to our friend Jeremy Corbell, who's currently working on a new documentary about Skinwalker Ranch with the cooperation of the original crew. And as is my habit, I took photographs of the relevant pages. I texted those to Jeremy with the question, where was the NIDS trailer, the National Institute of Discovery Science trailer, in relation to the Sherman's RV sighting? Jeremy wrote back, very close. The NIDS trailer is still there, right next to the main homestead. I write back, was she seeing the future? I mean, it's a ridiculous thing to see. A phantom office trailer with a night researcher inside, and that particular thing later appears right there in the form of the NIDS trailer. Jeremy replies, and I will edit his foul language as always. It's all very crazy what happens in that area. Just bonkers. It is a strange thing to think about, the idea that certain places on the earth might be more likely to produce strange visions, strange encounters. Because even while I wonder if the Phantom RV with the office inside and the nighttime monitoring staff predicted the real trailer with an office inside and a nighttime monitoring staff, I also wonder about this portal stuff. The idea that this place has a dimensional doorway of some kind, occasionally open. A place where, as the ancient Celtic people used to say about Halloween time, the veil between worlds is very thin. Does this perhaps mean that they are studying us from the other side, or one of the other sides, one of many other sides? That they have a research trailer set up on the ranch, too? Wouldn't that be something else? They've got some weirdo scientists out there. Maybe they're not quite human, but they're pretty close. Imagine what they think of us. And they keep seeing flying triangles and werewolves coming out of a door in the sky. And, well, they're not so different than us, after all. They put a research station and a trailer on site. Maybe their boss built extended-stay motels in their reality, too. Maybe they have a jabbering old baboon in a bathrobe as president, too. Who knows? 
is kind of a creative dead end when you can't imagine anything in alternate dimensions beyond a variation of our own dull setup. Is it our perception that lacks creativity, or does our perception simply require a few parameters to fill in the blanks? Uh, frame, uh, lattice, a uh, copy editing error created the shape and style of UFO known as the flying saucer. A copy editing error. Kenneth Arnold's original quote was about a fleet of silver boomerang-shaped craft zooming across vast distances like, quote, saucers skipping on the water. That was turned into the accidental perfect phrase, flying saucer, the creation of which was immediately followed by great waves of eyewitness reports of dish-shaped UFOs, flying saucers. I sure don't know what's on the other side of the portal at Skinwalker Ranch, but I'd like to send in a team of dignitaries to check it out. Make a diplomatic effort, a governmental effort. I wonder what it would be like if all these Washington characters were plunged into a terrible netherworld where ten-foot-tall bull demons tore into their flesh with monstrous poison-tipped horns and then the victims are dragged across the salt flats to the 100-story hospital where everybody always survives. And then they dump you right back onto the plain of despair, the place of long weeping. And just when you thought maybe this time the monsters weren't coming back, the bull demons with the poisonous horns, and it's not like you can see anything but the terrible sulfurous fog, well then you hear the terrible groans and you see the burning coals of the red-yellow eyes just before the horns strike again. According to the travel industry, those who still have the means for personal enjoyment are said to especially enjoy the purchase of experiences over consumer goods in our time. The consumer goods, the iPhones and the flip-flops and the heart valves, they're all produced at about the same thousand work camps in China. So any consumer good is of no particular rarity because anybody with the money or the credit can buy a hundred of the same thing off the internet at 2.45 in the morning if they so desire. And it's why people from the city come to the desert so desperate for some open space and clear, dry air that they'll be happy with just about anything, even a dusty parking lot on the busy highway with the convoys of Marine Corps machinery and Walmart trucks rumbling by. What if our visitors at Skinwalker Ranch and other such desert locations are tourists looking to purchase an experience? You know, if I had done everything else that could be done and I had the money to make up something else to do, and the technology existed, well, maybe I'd take a spaceship or a time travel flight to some strange place and watch some hillbillies in the southwest somewhere, baffled by the lights in the sky and the disappearing dogs and what have you. 
Maybe that would be fun. sure is good to get back to the office after the holidays, after all the tourists have gone home and have all the desert newspapers waiting in the P.O. box. You know, a lot of desert towns still have a local newspaper, and whether it comes out daily or twice weekly or every Thursday or once a month or whatever the publisher can get the money together to pay the printer, we do try to get them all delivered here to the Desert Oracle because how else can you keep up with all the interesting stories coming out of our various sun-blasted human settlements across the Southwest? I used to take a look at Facebook to see what people were talking about in the 8,000-person unincorporated Mad Max location where this broadcast originates. And pretty soon I figured out that the people were mostly talking about their opinions about things happening thousands of miles away, which is all fine, but not exactly why you'd go to the trouble of moving out to a patch of Mojave Desert at the end of the road. So bless these local newspapers, the few of them still out there. So let's see what's happening around and across these desert lands. We've got the Moab Sun News here. Let's see, there's something about the ambulance service. Uh, The snowfall won't fix the drought. That's a perennial story. Here's something. Dead horse comes to life. Let's see here. All right, well, that's not what I was hoping for at all. Uh, winter activities planned for Dead Horse Point State Park. Nice place, but it's not a horse coming back to life. Alright, everything in here has already happened. That's sort of the downside of reading the paper from two weeks ago. Anyway, they had the annual bird count, apparently. Let's see what it says here. During past year's bird counts, participants have spotted pinion jays, woodhouses scrub jays, common ravens, juniper titmouse, rock wrens, and dark-eyed juncos. I like the cactus wren. Much easier to say than rock wren. Plus, it lives in the cactus. A common Mojave Choya cactus can take 30 years to grow high enough for cactus wrens to build their fine nest between the spiny branches. The cactus wren is a bird with a big personality. They'll hang around on the screen window, pulling bugs from the space around the frame, cackling and complaining the whole time. They're just very enjoyable birds. You know, every desert bird is a quality bird. But the cactus wren has earned its place in the holy trinity of endearingly comical desert birds, along with the common raven and the roadrunner. Yes, they are little dinosaurs, but they are our little dinosaurs. Alright, I've got another one here. The Elko Daily Free Press up there in northern Nevada. 
I was up there not too long ago for the cowboy poetry thing. I'm glad I went. I'm glad I don't have to go again. Uh, here's some news. Elko to get faster internet. Turns out the ranchers and truckers and regular people like anywhere all want to watch TV across the internet. The Reno-based internet provider that serves Elko will be installing some of this and some of that. Before you know it, you can watch Netflix on your laptop or however you like. The new pricing starts at $149.49 a month for the internet. Netflix subscription not included. Here's kind of a nice story. Prisoners grow thousands of sagebrush plants for endangered sage grouse. I mean, there's nothing nice about being locked up in federal prison, and there's nothing particularly cheerful about the sage grouse nearing extinction because the sagebrush habitat is shrinking from development and invasive species. But these prisoners have been growing sagebrush outside in the prison gardens, which they enjoy. And the Bureau of Land Management out west is always happy to get these little sagebrush plugs at low cost, which means more sage-grouse habitat can be restored and etc. And this is in the newspaper because... Because momentary Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke cut the funding. $250,000. What's that, about... Four helicopter rides for that guy? Without stated reason, of course. The program's managers say they will run bake sales and attempts to keep it funded. Try to find a few interesting local news articles, and boy, you just can't really avoid news about the gangsters. Well, you know what that Princess Leah did once the chains got too tight out there in the desert? Well, she strangled that grotesque mobster worm, if I remember correctly. That happened in the Imperial Sand Dunes, north of Yuma, on the California side. For years now, people have been finding bits of the old Jabba the Hutt sand barge in the dunes out there. It has become a true ghost ship in the desert. I've gone out there looking for it myself. And from Page, Arizona, a murder-suicide on the shore of Lake Powell, which is kind of a murder-suicide of its own when you think about it. Let's see here. 37-year-old man, 25-year-old woman. He shot her dead, then shot himself. He shot her in the car. Then he took a nice walk on the reservoir shore and did what he should have done first. Well, I'm having a hard time finding the kind of news story I was looking for tonight. I apologize. You know, the meanest cactus wren has never committed the kind of atrocious behavior common to even the kindest human being. All right, I have the Victorville paper here, the Daily Press. Very funny newspaper, especially the opinion pages. 
You know, they used to put some happier stuff in the paper, at least in the year-end features. This is actually the headline for the year-end feature in the Victorville Daily Press. A year of trouble. From murder and mayhem to a bribery arrest, crime was High Desert's 2017 watchword. That's quite a headline. All the way from murder and mayhem to bribery. I don't know what 2017 watchword is supposed to mean here, really, but at least 2017 is over. And it seems that while violent crime is in long-term decline in the big cities where all the money lives, on the Victorville side of the Mojave High Desert, crime is up 20% in one year. They call it Victimville for a reason, friends. This is from the article in question by... By staff report, apparently. (laughs) By staff report. You know, when rinky-dink content management systems collide with small-town tightwad newspaper management... It's really a match made in hell. The hell that is late capitalism. Speaking of, Victorville will soon have California's one and only Cracker Barrel chain restaurant. Now there's a distinction. Anyway, here's one of the notable murders of the year from over there. Quote, one of the highest profile murder cases in recent memory came to an end when a Bakersfield jury convicted former Hellendale resident Sabrina Limon of murder in the death of her husband at a railroad facility in Tehachapi. Limon plotted the murder with her former lover, I guess it broken up, Hesperia resident Jonathan Hearn. In exchange for testifying against Sabrina Limon, Robert Hearn got a 25-year prison sentence for killing Robert Lamone. Lots more going on in Hellendale than you would think. We have two more campfire stories at the Ace Hotel in Palm Springs. I don't like to do the same thing too often, so this is it for now. Thursday, February 1, Thursday, March 1, both dates being the first Thursday of the month, 7 p.m. around a campfire, camp bar right there bring your ID and a couple of dollars from Amboy to Zizix and all across the great Mojave wilderness this has been Desert Oracle Radio broadcasting from KCDZ 107.7 FM in downtown Joshua Tree home of the three season traffic jam Sometimes it's hard to tell, but we are sponsored by Desert Oracle, the pocket field guide to the mysterious American desert. It is on sale across the Southwest. You can find it at the Little Alien in Rachel, Nevada, right there at Area 51. You can find it at Sedona Outdoors in downtown Sedona. In Joshua Tree and Yucca Valley, it's all around. If you're up in Ridgecrest, go to Red Rock Books. Say hi to Ann. Go to DesertOracle.com if you would like to subscribe. We've also got all kinds of information about the show, including the sounds that you hear. We had a couple of new ones tonight from Red, Blue, Black, Silver. We'll see you out on the highway. Good night from the Voice of the Desert. <laughs>